guys, hello and welcome back to another episode of Film Junkies with Griffin Friends. Hope you enjoyed the episode last week. We had our first friend on the show, uh, Eric Eberly, my longtime best friend. I heard a lot of good reviews back for that one, so um, not that I was on the fence about it at all, but I will definitely be having Eric back on the podcast in the future. Um, and this week, it's going to be a solo episode with me. Um, but we do have some guests lined up for the future. Uh, next week, we've got another one of my longtime friends, confidants, any other word you'd like to use to describe this person, but he has been in my life for a long time. Um, and then in a couple weeks after that, we're going to have someone else on the show that we have ready to go. Um, and I've got those movies already picked out. So, um, give you a look behind the curtain as how I uh, prepare for this. <laughs> I've already I've already picked out all the content you guys are going to get, so just strap in and get ready for it. Um, but moving on, this week, like I said, solo episode with just me, but I have a lot to talk about. Picked a incredible film, one that I never get tired of watching or talking about. Um, it's one that comes from my favorite uh, film studio of all time, which I've talked about a lot, is Pixar, Pixar Studios, who I think make some of the greatest movies of all time, specifically the greatest animated movies, uh, and that film is the 2008 classic WALL-E, so we're going to be diving into that this episode. Um, I've got, as always, some facts I'm sure you guys haven't heard um, some behind-the-scenes stuff into how the film was made, um, talking about awards, people involved in it, and really diving into what makes this film an incredible achievement in both animation and cinematic history, in my opinion. So starting out, just to reassure you in case you weren't already uh, agreed with me that this is a good movie, it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 95% on Metacritic, which I've talked about is the kind of the most, uh, I guess the most strict or the most critical <laughs> of the uh, movie reviewing sites, and then an 8.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So definitely some great reviews for this film. Um, there's a lot of people who love it, including myself, which is why I wanted to do an episode on this, just to give you guys some background on this film. I hope a lot of you have seen it. I mean, like I said, it came out in 2008, 11 years ago now. This one is definitely one that's been around, but honestly, I, I'm going to talk about it in this episode too and show that I feel like this film might be more kind of important now, uh, more relevant now than when it actually came out. So we're going to jump into a lot of the plot points that I think prove that point in this episode. But first, if you aren't familiar with this or would just like a refresher, I'll give you... Um, a short and then uh, a expanded plot summary. So the uh, kind of back of the cover plot summary is, in the distant future, a small waste-collecting robot inadvertently embarks on a space journey that will ultimately decide the fate of mankind. So that's your good uh, one-sentence summary there. Um, but as you know, I like to expand on things, and so here is more of a uh, drawn-out explanation of what Wally tries to accomplish as far as the plot is concerned. In a distant but not so unrealistic future, where mankind has abandoned Earth because it has become covered with trash from products sold by the powerful multinational by and large corporation, 
Wally, a garbage-collecting robot, has been left to clean up the mess. Mesmerized with trinkets of Earth's history and show tunes, Wally is alone on Earth except for a sprightly pet cockroach. One day, Eve, a sleek and dangerous reconnaissance robot, is sent to Earth to find proof that life is once again sustainable. Wally falls in love with Eve. Wally rescues Eve from a dust storm and shows her a living plant he found amongst the rubble. Consistent with her directive, Eve takes the plant and automatically enters a de- deactivated state except for a blinking green beacon. Wally doesn't understand what has happened to his new friend, but, true to his love, he protects her from wind, rain, and lightning, even as she is unresponsive. One day, a massive ship comes to reclaim Eve, but Wally, out of love or loneliness, hitches a ride on the outside of the ship to rescue Eve. The ship arrives back at a large space cruise ship, which is carrying all of the humans who evacuated Earth 700 years earlier. The people of Earth ride around the space resort on hovering chairs, which give them a constant feed of TV and video chatting. They drink all of their meals through a straw out of laziness and or bone loss, and are all so fat that they can barely move. When the autopilot computer, acting on hastily given instructions sent many centuries before, tries to prevent the people of Earth from returning by stealing the plant, Wally, Eve, the portly captain, and a band of broken robots stage a mutiny. So like I said, that's my uh, drawn-out plot summary of Wally. Um... It's a film that captures a lot. It has a lot of things uh, going on. What's crazy about it is that it's an also very subtle, simple, and not exaggerated film. Uh, so there are a lot of things in there, like I said, a lot of bigger uh, notions or storylines. But at the same time, there's a good deal of it that is really kind of surface level, which makes it very enjoyable to watch. So this film was written and directed by Andrew Stanton, who... I think I've talked about before, maybe in the Pixar, or I'm sorry, in the Toy Story 3 episode, he's a Pixar legend. This guy has some kind of involvement in almost every single movie that Pixar has created. Um, To give you a little background, he also directed uh, A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, John Carter, and Finding Dory, and then he was given writing credits for Toy Story 1, 2, and 3, A Bug's Life, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and Finding Dory. So uh, he's been around the block as far as Pixar is concerned and um, definitely has been a large contributor into the uh, content that they've put out. So those movies that I mentioned were some of the you know most successful films that their studio has created and um, some of the most successful films in animation history. So... He's definitely got a good head on his shoulders, and uh, of all the ones that he's created, obviously I'm uh, partial to to the Toy Story films, but I think WALL-E is one of the ones that, although these films are animated and a lot of times they take kind of fairy tale or unrealistic routes about them, I think WALL-E is actually probably the most realistic or has the most likelihood of happening um, out of all the Pixar films. But, um, as like I said earlier with the uh, popularity of it as far as the ratings, um, they did pretty well at the uh, the Oscars and the Golden Globes as far as nominations are concerned. Uh, Wally was actually nominated for six Oscars, including Best Animated Movie, Original Screenplay, Original Score, Original Song, Sound Mixing, and Sound Editing. And it won the Oscar for Best Animated Film. And then it was also nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Animated Film and Best Original Song, and won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Film. And a quick fact about that, 
Uh, Wally actually was the first Pixar film to be nominated for six Academy Awards. It actually tied with only one other animated film to garner this many nominations, uh, and the film it tied with was Beauty and the Beast from 1991. Um, so an impressive uh, fact there and an accomplishment for this film that I think it was very deserving of. Um, and so now I wanted to kind of get into the film itself, uh, some of the topics that it covers, and uh, maybe break down a few of the scenes that I think have a uh, big impact on the overall story that's being told on screen. So the first essentially 30 minutes or so of this film are basically a silent film, a silent movie. Um, we're shown so much on screen, but the most dialogue that we hear is uh, a little bit of a pre-recorded billboard that we see at one point uh, in Wally's actual, I guess you can call it his house. Um, he's watching a, f a film, um, so there's some dialogue from there. But other than the actual characters that are in the, the movie itself, um, we don't actually hear any dialogue uh, until... A decent amount of the way into the movie um like i said the within the first five minutes there is a, a monologue with the billboards but the first dialogue between wally and eve actually begins 22 minutes into the movie and then the first human dialogue doesn't actually show up until 39 minutes into the movie so they do a lot with a little as far as that is concerned um that's one thing that i have learned from studying film there's a kind of a common I guess, line that people say to talk about how to create a film and, and to create one that engages your audience, and that is the phrase, show, don't tell. And what that kind of means is that you're supposed to lay out a story in front of your audience uh, on the screen, but don't force them to think or believe a certain thing. And so this film encapsulates that better than almost any other film that I've seen. They... Like I said, the dialogue doesn't even come in until, um, you know, at least 22 minutes into the movie. And that first section of it is just a masterpiece as far as silent film goes, in my opinion. And it shows you throughout the entire movie, really, just very minimal things as far as the kind of cues that the, the film is giving you to feel or, or look at certain things. And it really just shows you a story and you're drawn into it by several different aspects that are incorporated into uh, not only the plot, but the writing and um, the way that the score kind of manipulates the way that you experience it as well. So a little bit about the two main characters who I've mentioned a couple times now, Wally and Eve. Um, as a, a quick background for you, Wally actually stands for uh, Waste Allocation Load Lifter Earth Class. Um, and the earth class is a specification because there are uh, axiom class versions are the ones that are uh, on that spaceship that's um, he ends up going to later in the movie but uh, Wally is actually the only remaining earth class robot that we see in the film um, as it opens up we are watching him do his daily life until Eve joins him which Eve stands for uh, extraterrestrial vegetation evaluator um, <laughs> for that quick fact for you. But when we go into this film, first of all, I love the way that it opens. Um, we're opening the movie with a shot showing the Earth, which is at first from outer space, surrounded by old satellites, and the camera kind of weans through that 
as we get closer, and then you can kind of see, yeah, this is this is a planet, but it's not the blue and green, you know, lush uh, pictures of Earth that we see now. Um, it's one that as they get closer and closer, we realize that it's actually covered in trash, um, and it's there's no blue skies. Everything is kind of takes this Mad Max esque uh, look to it, where everything's kind of just desolate and run down. Um, but nonetheless, we see Wally, who we follow through this first, obviously through the whole film, but specifically his routine through this first portion of the film, and we see his kind of daily routine and uh, get a glimpse into not only what he's experienced, but what the world itself has experienced. And as we talked about a little bit in that plot summary, basically this giant company has taken over and sent everyone to space. The company's called By and Large, and essentially there's this giant corporation that had made everything so easy for people to obtain that they continuously just kind of gave these mass amounts of things to people, uh, which we do see. I mean, it's a, it's a company that's reminiscent of Walmart, Amazon, McDonald's, just <laughs> copy and paste any of those companies that um, kind of have that ideology of giving you a lot for a little. Um, and we end up seeing Wally kind of go through and He's a trash compactor, essentially. He's he's making cities out of trash that people have left around because the earth has become so desolate and covered with junk that people couldn't live there any longer, and it was his job that he was sent in to, to clean it. Um, but given that it's been 700 years since uh, people have lived on earth, Wally has kind of... I mean, he's he's a, got great work ethic for someone. He, stay, he stayed working for that long. But um, he started to definitely develop his own kind of um, personality, and we see that come out in the first parts of the, the film where we see him kind of interact with, uh, obviously, the cockroach that becomes his kind of pet-slash-friend-slash-roommate. Um, but, but every day when he goes out to work, he collects these various, you know, human trinkets that interest him and um, make him see different sides of things that aren't just him collecting trash every day. Um, you kind of understand that this, while he is a robot, he's one that can uh, think and feel, and he understands the situation, but he kind of wants something more out of it. For example, you know, obviously he's collecting all these things. He wants something to try and fill this kind of loneliness that he has. He's the only person on Earth, um, or the only robot on Earth, and there's one scene, one of the first nights he goes out and he's about to close his door and he kind of looks up into space and his eyes are just like black and it kind of is reminiscent of this feeling of loneliness and emptiness and that he's looking for something else out there because he's been doing this same routine for so long that he wants something new. Uh, there's that part where he rocks himself to sleep and that even you know hints at the fact that he can't fall asleep by himself because he's constantly thinking of these other things that he wants in his life. Uh, so there's there's a lot of subliminal things that go on in this film that that help move the story and and whether anything's being said or not you're definitely being given an understanding of what's happening on screen and the underlying parts of this story and you know it's it's a film that like I said does so much but at the same time does so little um it's a simple love story it made 533 million dollars globally which isn't the most financially crazy i mean that's a ton of money but regardless compared to other pixar films alone that's not on the top of their list but i mean this wasn't the most narratively complex or the most financially successful movie but instead 
Wally's success came from a source that's not easy to replicate. So it's kind of this intricate understanding of, in my opinion, like the appeal of art and its ability to inspire people. So Wally's love story is this kind of mixture of art history and the science of movie making, where I mentioned Andrew Stanton has proven that he has this incredible track record of creating great movies, but in Wally specifically, he gives us a story that takes us into the future. And he does it essentially by looking into the past, and it creates this revolutionary movie that um, I don't think could ever be recreated. Obviously, it's a interesting topic that we've seen other films that kind of deal with what the future can come to, but this one makes things so simple, and that was intentional, too, um, to kind of give you some background to explore the possibilities of pure visual storytelling. Andrew Stanton and the Pixar team watched every single Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton movie, both their short films and feature films, every day during lunch for about 18 months, um, and as you watch this, you see that those kind of older versions of, of film are definitely incorporated into this one in a heavy way, um, and they give you that sense of, like I said, you're looking at something that happens in the future, but it takes so much from the past and implies it into the the story of this and the way that we're seeing Wally's character develop, as well as the way that this film itself is created. It's reminiscent of something from the past, even though it's capturing something that's in the future. And that's something that makes this an interesting story, and, and I think that's part of the reason why you're able to be drawn into it without so much going on all the time. So we see Wally continuously interacting with different things throughout that first portion, all mostly on his own, living his own life. And then when we see Eve introduced, Wally is immediately fascinated by her. Um, and it, it's reminiscent of those movies that we've seen um, in which he's watching them at night and he's trying to, you know, figure out how to hold hands and fall in love. And, um, he knows down to the choreography of the, the films that he watches what happens. And it's like this fascination that he has with those films is immediately shown towards Eve. Um, and he kind of follows her around and shows that, uh, this is someone that's worth his time. It's kind of the, the change that he's been looking for. And it's, Obviously, that that love story is the heart of where this film is at, um, but there are some other things in there that I believe are very important to the story that's being told on screen, specifically towards the environmental sides of things. Um, and so, when Pixar released Wally in two thousand and eight, it was constantly described as an environmentalist parable, and it was said so so often that he actually heard this so much Andrew Stanton did that he felt like he needed to say something about the fact that people were relating this to environmentalist uh, ideals so this was his quote i don't have a politically bent or ecological message to push i don't mind that it supports that kind of view it's certainly a good citizen kind of way to be but everything i wanted to do is based on the film's love story and the last robot on earth the sentence that we first came up with in 1994 uh, which is how they kind of first created the idea for this movie. But obviously, this is one... He, he came out and said, yeah, this isn't focused completely around the way that the environment is headed or the way that our Earth is going. But, I mean, this is a way that we've seen things going. It's society's need to consume mixed with a private industry's drive for profit. And we just see, like, futuristic science fiction at its best here. And it... It's at its best, in my opinion, when it makes us take 
you know, a hard look at our own world, which regardless of if he said that's what they were going for or not, it does. And this film shows so many similarities into the way we're living right now and the way that we're going towards. And that's why, in my opinion, like I said, I think that um, it's more prevalent now to watch that film and really see the things that are on screen and how it's kind of like a wake up call to the, the way that we're going. But Wally's vision of the future essentially is kind of a cautionary dystopia where it's wrapped in a children's tale and a very funny and skillfully made one, obviously. But the film's first 40 minutes are virtually wordless, and it's a masterpiece of modern silent filmmaking, while in the sense that everything I've said in this episode so far, you're seeing things on screen that there aren't a lot, there isn't a lot being said in the film itself, but you're taking away so much from it. And that's the type of film that I enjoy watching. One that I think, uh, definitely deserves to be made and deserves to be celebrated. Um, because while it's an animated film, and like I said, I've had an issue with in the past. So many people like to determine that since a film is animated, that, it's going to be for kids or that it won't have a, um, a worthwhile story to tell or something other than just like a princess being, you know, uh, rescued from something like this is a film that has a true story to tell. And it does so in a way that's both simplistic and complicated. Um, it's one that animation wise, like this is ahead of its time. Obviously we have some crazy stuff going right, going on now in the animation world, but this film came out 11 years ago and I, I watched it earlier today and it holds up now with what we see. Obviously we've seen, I mean, there's some crazy stuff going on with like toy story four. There's been something going around with the fact that they have a scene with, uh, um, a cat in it that's stretching. And when they released the trailer that showed that in there, people thought it was an actual cat in the movie where it's just CGI in there. So Pixar, if anybody's going to figure out how to use animation and CGI, CGI technology, it's going to be Pixar. Um, and Wally is definitely one that holds up, showing you know different aspects of space, Earth, and different portions of time. It's an incredible use of their skills that they have. Um, they even f- feature some live action stuff in this film as well. It's actually the um, first time that a Pixar feature length film used any live action footage, um, which I think adds a whole nother dimension to the understanding of how this film works and, and the way that it can connect back to us outside of the film as people living on earth and um, doing a pretty good job of running earth into the ground. But yeah, I mean, there's so much I can talk about with this film. It's got a love story. It has, um, hidden messages, hidden values, understandings on the screen that you're just kind of shown, like I said, that uh, show-don't-tell type aspect where you're just comforted in watching this movie. Like you, It's one that you can just throw on and sit on the couch and enjoy it, and everyone of all ages uh, and backgrounds can understand that there's something big going on on screen and you're going to be drawn into it. Um, it's one of my favorite love story movies because even if it is between two robots, they definitely do have a genuine interest and uh, love for each other. And the way that that plays out is awesome to see. So Wally is is just a movie that when people are going to ask me to compile them a list of their fi- my favorite Pixar movies or my favorite animated movies, that one's usually going to be on there because I think it's one that does very little wrong. And it does so much right that 
if I'm going to talk about it, it's going to be long enough that I can make a podcast episode about it. <laughs> so this this film is one that I love to revisit and talk to people about. Um, obviously, you saw with my last couple episodes, people asking me top five on Netflix and Hulu. Um, this is probably in my top ten of animated movies, definitely from Pixar, but um, of all time, it's a great one as well. It's a film that kind of breaks down into a couple different aspects where you see the evolution of not only uh, the deterioration of the Earth and the way that people go about living their lives, but that kind of evolution of Wally, the main character, and how you see him from the beginning as this um, silent and lonely character being introduced to someone new and then going on to this ship in which we see he just changes the way everyone around him lives whether it's a robot or a human if he touches someone's life he makes it better and we see that over and over again like we've got one of the his first interactions with humans on the ship was he walks or he i guess he doesn't walk <laughs> he rolls up in between two guys that are on their hover chairs because these people are so fat they can't even walk and they're facetiming each other essentially and they're talking about what they're going to do today blah 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 and you see the camera go back and forth between the two of them and then it zooms out and wally's in between these two guys and they're literally right next to each other facetiming each other and he's like looking back and forth like uh aren't you guys like talking to each other right now and you're literally just right next to each other and there's a lot of that in the movie where he has a hard time adapting to the the future technology that's shown in there. And it's funny for us because it's like, oh, he just doesn't understand it because he's not as advanced. But at the same time, it's like maybe it's showing this underlying thing of like, do we really need to be this advanced all the time? Because it does consume people and cause them to draw back. I mean, it's down to the fact that they have hallways where the there's just lines going through them. And you <laughs> they have robots that are designed to get mad at you or or correct you if you go off of a line and like you can't walk a certain way in a in a hallway without getting in trouble for something and these people just don't care they're blindly given whatever they want i mean when they go into the beauty salon they have robots that are pre-designed to say certain lines that we see perfectly match up with whatever the men or women are saying uh, while they're in the chair they have no idea that the person or the robot isn't even listening to what they're saying and it's it's also reminiscent of the things that we see every day um, and definitely hints towards uh, what we can end up going to or the state will end up finding ourselves in if we don't make a change uh, in regard to something like this soon. It's just it's a it's a wake up call, but at the same time it's a it's a heartwarming story and a very enjoyable love story to say the least and uh it's hard for me to say anything bad about Pixar movies and uh, this one is a film that I love to say good things about. So I can dig a lot more into it uh, than that, but I think that this one, as I said, being so simplistic, is one that I kind of just wanted to give you guys a brief intro about. Obviously, I gave you a lot of information about the background of it and some facts and the plot and all that, but there's so much about this movie that's worth your time that I think I can give you a short synopsis of a lot of the things and it'll it'll make you understand that there's more to unpack in this movie so the next time you watch it you can go and see all those things I've been referencing and talking about and let you know that this might be a hidden gem I don't know that it was ever one that was hidden from people as a great movie but uh, there are a lot of underlying themes in there that definitely should be pulled out and examined further as we see a lot more things in I mean current events uh as far as the environment and the way we were living currently are going, 
this is a way to, to step back from that and realize that maybe sometimes it's not so bad to go back to our roots and uh, live in the past a little bit. So that's my uh, review of Wally or my breakdown of that film. It's one, like I keep saying, <laughs> that I love um, and I was excited to talk about. I'm excited to have watched it and I might watch it again after this, but um yeah, thank you guys for listening to this episode. As I mentioned, next week I'm going to have another guest on the show. Uh, he's somebody I'm super excited about, and we're going to be talking about a film that uh, is different, I think, than any other film we've talked about. It's one that is its own in every way and, and doesn't have much to be compared to, in my opinion. But that is for next week. We're going to be breaking that one down. And as far as this week goes, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Film Junkies with Griff and Friends.